when you fall down, you have to get back up. When is it gonna happen to me? It's hard to have patience. I mean, it is. If you really want it bad enough, you cannot skip steps. Be grateful for what you got. If you really want to get on that grind and you don't like your job, I'm still cooking their bacon. Because you're always going to be wondering what if. Damn, I'm only here for one reason and one reason only, though. Patience starts now. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of Patience of Podcast with your host, Donnie D. And your co-host, Sammy G. What's up, guys? Our guest today has been described as quite the enraptured individual. Her artistry moved by colors, divine intuition, with a sound considered as the perfect expression of essence. Her musical background stems from an early childhood listening to Motown Records in her car to beginning her career as a jazz vocalist in New Orleans lending shape to her enigmatic voice. Her unique sound is a deep blend combining rhythm, pockets, and electronic elements. In 2018, she went on a world tour with German record label Majestic Casual, performing in New York City at Elsewhere, DJ Titsworth, U Street Musical in Washington, D.C., and the Biltmore in Vancouver. She's also performed at the Mint in L.A., the Hotel Cafe, the Bootleg Theater, most recently the Coney Island Baby in New York City, and the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. Her cover of Blues Empress Bessie Smith's Nobody Knows When You're Down and Out explores her formative love of jazz, paying tribute to the legendary American blues singer that captures the soulful, vibrant essence only Bessie could bring. Her debut EP, Down Down Deep, released in 2015, takes us even deeper into her early musical journey as an R&B and soul singer, followed by her two-part sorceress EP, one part EP, another part coffee table art book, depicting the grappling of what it means to be a woman in her body. She released a string of singles in 2017, including There's a Light in My Room, Yes My Heart's Open, No You Can't Come In, and her 2018 single Irrelevant was featured by Majestic Casual in one of YouTube's biggest EDM streaming music channels. Her most recent single Dreams was featured by none other than author, motivational speaker, Shark Tank reality TV star, FUBU founder, president, and CEO Damon John. She's a vocalist, composer, producer, singer-songwriter, artist, mentor, author, sorceress, and a force of nature who epitomizes feminist power. She's currently based in Brooklyn, recording her debut album and curating a femme R&B burlesque concert series set to launch in New York City. Abby Diamond, welcome to Patience of Podcast. Hey! Nice to be with you guys, finally. Yeah, this has been a long time in the making, and I'm glad we finally got you on. Everyone is so busy these days, it seems just like 2019 is really working out to be something special. Yes, I agree with you, but we just have to like sit down together on a Sunday morning. You can make anything happen on a Sunday morning, yeah. so it feels right. Yeah, it's not the, the brightest of days right now on the East Coast. It's a little bit gloomy, but I'm so ready. I always think that when it's a little bit cloudy outside, it feels like a blanket. So I'm cozy in here. I don't know if you know too much about Sam's background. He kind of grew up in New Orleans and then kind of transitioned over to okay. Colorado. But I know uh, your childhood kind of, you know, as a jazz kid, you originated in New Orleans. You know, no, I'm baby. You know it, you know it. Nola, I'm actually going down <laughs> to New Orleans in like uh, a couple weeks. So you guys will have to throw me some chips down there. Oh my gosh, yes. So I was born in San Francisco, actually. That's where my entire family is. But I went to college in New Orleans, and I got started seriously as a musician out there. So I lived in New Orleans for four years, and it was just a really formative a really formative period of time for me. That's like, I feel, I've got, I go back, I'd say, like, every, maybe every four months or so. Um, I would like to go back every couple months and get a place there. But, like, every time I go there, it's just, it's just, like, a very, very intense rejuvenation for me. It's just still like, one of my favorite places in the whole world. What were some of your biggest music and art influences you had as a kid in your formative years, high school, and as a student at uh, Leola University's School of Music Industry? When I was a senior in high school, um, the music department asked me to sing at their school's auction. Or no, when I was a freshman in high school, they asked me to sing at like the school fancy auction that was at Bimbo's in San Francisco. And I was, I was like, okay, great. But they wanted me to sing jazz with their like advanced jazz combo. And I didn't, I'd never sang jazz before in my whole life. So I, I picked out like a couple songs. I picked out Moon Dance by Van Morrison, which my mom used to play for me. 
than Beyond the Sea. Like, you know that song, Somewhere Beyond the Sea? Those are like the only two songs I could think of. And um, I learned them and I, and I sang them with, like, I went to a rehearsal with the band. They were all seniors and I was like 14 years old. And I sang it with them. And after the trombone player was talking to me and like giving me some advice and he was like, you know, the way you're singing it, because I wasn't phrasing it. I had no idea how jazz works and I didn't like ever listen to it. I'd never tried it before. I just dead ass was brand new to the shit. So like the trombone player was talking to me and he was like, you know, you're not really singing it like jazzy. You're not really singing it cool. You're singing it like really straight and pretty, but it's not, it's not cool, you know? Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. So I basically just started studying how vocal jazz phrasing worked and it came really naturally to me and I was kind of obsessed with it. So I just became a jazz singer when I was in high school. And that's what I initially thought that I wanted to do with my life. And that's why I decided to move to New Orleans. So, so yeah. And then after I graduated, I moved to LA for a little bit. Um, I was working with an artist called Blue Hawaii. Well, his name's Agor Cowan, but he's from this electronic duo from Canada called Blue Hawaii. So I moved to LA. Um, that's where I made my next project, Sorceress, before heading to New York. You're also a mentor, and you uh, provide mentorship for those who personal guidance, as well as vocal coaching and support in musical composition. Tell us a little bit about yeah. um, the kind of services you provide for those interested in expanding their creative and personal horizons. When I was in high school, I, I always thought that I wanted to be like, I, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but I thought for a point in time that I wanted to be a doula, which is somebody who delivers babies and works with women when they're pregnant and helps them like guide them through the process of pregnancy and like bringing life into the world. Um, and then that person is there with them when they when they give birth. And that was kind of what I thought I wanted to do. My grandma was a nurse who delivered babies. And I just love working with people and being there for people. So I changed my mind about that. But when I graduated from high school, I went through, I took a year off before I went to college. And I did a few different things with that time. And one of those things was I went through... Um, this life coaching certification program through the Hawaii Wellness Institute. The woman who started it is named Sunny Masad, and she's this incredible woman. So basically, she taught this intensive program for people who wanted to, yeah, be life coaches, coach people, guide people, help people, just talk to them, kind of just help people reframe the way that they're thinking about their lives. So she taught this method, which is based on an author named Byron Katie and her work, um, which is basically a series of questions that you ask somebody when they're stressed out. And through these questions and inviting someone to answer them in their own way, people really like unpack the root of what causes them to suffer. And it just, it allows them to really like create a new paradigm for themselves. So I love that. And I started using it on myself, doing it with my friends all the time, and then became really serious about being an artist, but always would do this with people, just kind of like this style of questioning, this style of introspection with somebody who, you know, just anybody in my life who was facing a challenge or wanting to grow in some way. And I started giving voice lesson to make money when I was in college. And it just kind of turned into something where, you know, the way I pay rent in New York now is by every Monday, like from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., I am Skyping with people who I just talk to essentially. So I have a few people that I'm doing. I, I do. It's like mostly based around singing and writing music. Um, and then half as many aren't musicians at all. They're all different ages. Um, I have a woman who's 52. I have a little girl who's 15. It's just kind of all over the map with like who these people are and what they're looking to develop inside themselves. But I, I love like being there for that and watching their journeys and kind of just holding space for them as they unfold. It's incredible. You're, you're a multifaceted individual and that's uh, amazing for anybody that's out there, you know, <laughs> looking you. For, for some of that guidance. Uh, that's amazing that you have that to offer. 
It makes you really happy. It just grounds me. Yeah, you know? and yeah, I should think it's it's mutually beneficial. I mean, if you're able to provide that value and you have that ability to coach, it's just a wonderful thing to do as a young person. A few weeks back, you approached your last day of your 84-day vlog on Facebook. Give us a little bit of insight into <laughs> how all that has helped you yeah. get back into your flow state as an artist and what right. positive impact self-discovery has benefits associated with routinely vlogging you found to be valuable since beginning to film your life. Right. Okay, cool. So I do these things called 84 day cleanses, which is something that I came up for myself when I first moved out here. So when I first moved to New York, I just realized that I needed to change the way that I was living my life in order to be somebody that could could accomplish the goals that I have. The first one that I did almost two years ago now was like the hardest one. It was crazy. So I literally just sat down with a piece of paper and I wrote down like every single thing that I was addicted to. Hmm. And that wasn't set for me. That just didn't happen to be substances. I'm thankful that I've never been addicted to drugs or alcohol. But the things I was addicted to were just habits and tendencies that I would reach for whenever I was stressed out. The most basic ones, like even using a pillow and eating anything processed or like making excuses about being late, stuff like that. So I wrote them down on a piece of paper and I just stopped doing all of them cold turkey for 84 days. And it was (laughs) so insane because I had grown just completely like, you don't even realize all the things that you do in a day just to make life easier for yourself. I was doing all that shit and it it was holding me it was holding me back so much, keeping me from really living in a way that I wanted to live, you know? It takes a lot of courage to, like, write down all your dirty, oh dirty laundry, like, your really, like, gross. The stuff that you never, like, really want to admit because yeah. you're, like, completely dissonant about the things that you don't want to face. And then just to write it down and then be like, I'm going to attack that head on. I think it takes a lot. Of, most people can't, you know, easily do that. Yeah, completely. It was wild. It was absolutely wild. So just to give you a little bit of an insight on where I was before that happened, I was honestly not feeling great inside myself. I was sad. I'd gone through a really bad, nasty breakup um, before I moved to New York. That was really hard. Felt like sad for me in my heart. And I was so like, I had such insane insomnia and I would just watch so much hardcore porn, like really fucked up Right. Just very distracted, very scattered plan for my music career. I didn't know. I'd released a bunch of me without a plan, essentially. And I didn't feel emotionally equipped to get the shit done that was important to me. So that's where I was before. And over the course of those 84 days, my life just completely changed. It was just crazy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they talk about the 90-day, 60-day thing, but you actually... You just like took it all out, put it on paper, addressed it at the most difficult point of like that emotional state that you're in then. I mean, that really has to propel you forward. You could definitely encourage people to do that with coaching. I mean, if that's worked for you, I can't imagine how how powerful that is. People can only base how they're feeling on how they felt before. You know what I mean? So you could be, you could be really depressed or really sad and maybe so the thing that happened to you, someone else wouldn't even think that it was that big of a deal. But to you, it's really hard. It's just important to tap in to your intuition and tap into your needs and really listen to yourself and build like a relationship with your own conscious mind and your own spirit and your own intuition and energy. And so this period of time that I, that I kind of created and held incredibly sacred within myself became a space for me to learn how to do that, like learn how to really get to know myself again. Um, And since then I've replicated it a few times. So my first 84 days was like just all my addictions, clearing them. And then the second one that I did was making a film every single day, Um, which the whole purpose of it was because I was such a goddamn perfectionist and I wouldn't be a perfectionist anymore. So that was a really healing, um, confronting challenge. And then the third one that I did was to get up at 5.30 in the morning every day. 
because I was somebody, I had insomnia. So I was somebody who would usually go to sleep at 5.30 earliest. Um, So I just flipped it. Um, And then the one that I'm on right now is is essentially, it's it's like, it's a really fun one because I've done enough of these now where I've like, I think when you want to, when you want to, kind of transform integral parts of your life. It's um, first a matter of taking out what doesn't belong there and then sitting with yourself and deciding what you want to put in those places that you, that are now free. Right. So because I've done a few of these processes around stopping habits that weren't helping me thrive, um, I was ready to do the cleanse that I'm on now, which is essentially like I decided to add cool things in that I knew would be really supportive. So essentially every day during this time, completely immaculately clean my apartment. Before I go to sleep, I practice my choreography. Let's jump into the music. Do you have any new projects that you're working on? If so, when are like some new release dates? Like what's your goals in music right now? Yeah. So I just released a music video um, three days ago, I think it was, it's called collide and well, it's an, yeah, it's a new song and a film that goes along with it. So in New York, I have this beautiful community of artists who I love very dearly. Um, and my manager, David Rojas, he created, um, a space for us to work out of. So it's called Mikasa. It's in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. And it's basically a headquarters for our group of friends. We're all artists and we have different mediums that we work within. So it's a creative agency based on collaboration between mediums, essentially. And we built, um, we built a psychorama wall on the top floor, which is basically like this white wall that goes seamlessly into the floor um, without, I don't know how to explain or something, but it's called a psych wall. So you can't see creases in the wall. They, the construction workers that we were working with hand, it was so crazy to watch, but that's for music video shoots and photo shoots. And then on the bottom floor, we're very slowly and lovingly building a recording studio. So this song collide, I wrote it with, um, a producer that I work with a lot named Nobu sounds. Um, I was in LA and San Francisco with my family of few months back and he texted me the beat for it. And he was like, Hey, I made something for you. And we started a text thread with our writing partner, Sebastian. And we made this, um, we just like wrote the song in the text thread. So basically, oh, I was, I was in LA. I remember Jamie Jones. He's this electronic artist that I really love. Um, flew me to work to write a song with him. So I was like there for that. But in the background, we wrote Collide, like, over that same week. And then we made this music video. Um, The head of film at Mikasa is this incredible filmmaker named Denzel Deronomy. And so he made, he kind of created this idea with us for what the film was going to be about. And we shot it here with all of our friends. (laughs) It was just a really, really cool, beautiful process. So we finally released it a few days ago. Um, Yeah, so that's, like, that's what's been on the horizon for me as of late. But right now I'm recording um, my first full length album. So it's called moon and stars. Um, And it's a collaboration between myself and Nobu sounds. Sebastian Ade also has um, some like a lot written with him on it. And it's a very, Oh my God, making an album is just a whole different situation. I've made a couple of EPs, but doing like a full length project and just concepting it out is so, it's like totally different. So I'm in the throes of that at the moment. So Collide just dropped this last Friday. You said the new album is called Moon and Stars. When can we look forward yeah, to that? Moon and Stars. Do you have stars. like a tentative release for that? Mm, no, I don't <laughs> even want to say what the tentative release is because I'm not even done recording it yet. I'm still totally in track mode. I just ordered, um, I just ordered, um, like a microphone because I'm going to start recording it in my bedroom and it's like it's pretty it's, it's been it's been it's been an intimate process that I've been going through with myself but it's, it's beautiful it's, it's really challenging you know Abby I'm I'm curious 
to know what story, if there is any story or feelings um, that you want to try to portray through your music, if someone was listening to you or listening right now and they wanted to go check out your songs or music video, um, what do you think they'll get out yeah. of it? Thank you for asking. I really like that question. Um, my music, I guess, okay, the reason I make art in the first place is to find answers inside of me. And I feel like that's why everybody makes art um, because essentially what you're doing when you create something is you're opening yourself up as a channel and letting God come through you, right? So whatever God is to you, if it's a higher power, if it's some, some sort of intelligent design, if you're Christian, if you're Jewish, if you're Muslim, or if you just have a sense of what, what love is and what intuition is, the really special, beautiful, true powers of the universe are what come through you when you really open up and you make something. So everything that I've made is something that's true for me. I write about experiences that I have. Um, there are some times that I write with other artists or I write for other artists and we tap into a storyline that never happened to me for sure. But typically the music that I'm releasing is about stuff that I'm sorting through within myself. So I'll go through an experience with someone and then I will want to synthesize that. And the way that I do that is through words and sounds. That's the easiest way that I've found to like come to peace with my life and what I go through and, and really make beauty out of it. So when people listen to my music, I, my intention, I guess, is for them to feel closer to themselves and to feel some kind of invitation to really tap into their own intuitions and their own, you know, like internal compasses and just learn how to express themselves clearly. It's just all about like, there's no more or less God in one person than the next. Everybody has the same, the same amount of God in them. Everybody's God, in my opinion, it's just how do we open up? That's it. Yeah, I, I totally feel that. Totally agree. I think that's that's such a big part of what artistry represents. It's like giving people permission to uh, to go there, and then we're like the the ambassadorship that says it, it is okay because here's the art, and this is what it looks like when you do. And that's such an incredible way of putting it. Abby, as an artist, uh, you know the love and creativity of performance is inbred in what we do and into day to day lives. But, do you as an artist uh, feel more alive and vibrant when you're on stage performing, connecting, communicating with an audience, or do you feel more connected when you let your imagination run wild in the studio writing, you know, putting together visual compositions mm -hmm. in the solitude of a pristine environment, you know, fully encapsulated in, in a creative music? Which one is, is a place that you thrive the most as an artist? Mm, both. I love, like, you're just talking about flow state right now. So you're talking about my shit. You're talking about the reason that I like love what I do. So the feeling of, I mean, really what it comes down to is like when I can hear something really clearly. So if I'm on stage singing and it just sounds fucking perfect and I just feel the energy of the people around me, that's one, that's one flow state that is just so incredibly special to me personally. And then like, if I'm in the studio writing and I can hear like the moment that I hear exactly what I'm trying to say in my head, that's like another moment or when I'm singing it. And then I listen back in, in mixing in the mixing process, I listen to what I made or I'm singing and I can hear it. It's all like these moments when I can hear things perfectly. Those are some of my most happy, like most, I don't know. That's like when I feel intense ecstasy is when I can hear something clearly that makes sense in my heart. So like, I don't love performing more than I love writing or more than I love recording or more than I love listening. It's all just like, what's, what's the, what's the, the smoothest catalyst to me really having a moment with myself. And for me, just being a musician sound has been like a really easy bridge between me and you know, who I am inside. I love learning about different art forms and like how people connect to themselves with the art that they picked out in terms of like what they want to make, you know, some people it's like embroidery or knitting or, you know, like 
writing novels, writing mystery novels. So there's like so many cool things that you could do. But for me, sound and shaping it, that invisible force field that's created when you make a song um, that somehow people can tap into without seeing it or feeling it. But like everybody's in it at the same time when, when a song is playing, like that mysterious energy, that's the clay that I use as a sculptor. That's, that's my shit. That's your medium. Yeah. Sam, same question for you. How do you feel uh, in terms of performance and writing and being in the studio? Where do you feel the most vibrancy, the most, you know, alive? I mean, I think just through the whole creative process, man, whole creative process of just writing and then like just taking something that was just a thought or idea in your mind and turning it into something solid, having it go out. I don't know. I think even working on a music video, doing the photo shoots, the album packaging, you know, planning the show, performing the songs live and all that good stuff. It's all just like, it's all different and they all have their own creative energy. They're just all really a good creative process. So like, I just enjoy it all. I just enjoy the process of creating. Absolutely. Yeah. So on uh, patience, of podcast, we often refer back to and clarify the difference between patience and waiting, particularly how patience requires you to take consistent discipline daily action. On one of our previous episodes, mm. we had Laura Lynn Knight, who gave us a little bit of an introduction into mindful meditation and, and practicing gratitude. Abby, you and one of your best friends send each other a list of 10 things each day that you're grateful for. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about <laughs> that and that unique morning and nighttime ritual that you have in, in this, this awesome oh relationship you have with your friend. Yeah. Totally. Okay, so um, I've done this with a couple of friends, my friend Aaron and my friend Hannah specifically. Um, but now Hannah and I, every day we send each other a list of 10 things that we're grateful for. So it's just very simple. It's not like a super long list or anything, or it can be, but it's really a, a daily journal entry yeah. practice just with like a best friend that you love. It doesn't have to be at a certain time. It's just like whenever you get to it. And I just put the date at the top and then I just number it one through 10 and I just say 10 things. And there it's really like this cool way that she and I know everything about each other's lives because the things that I write down aren't typically um, universal. They're things that happen to me. So I'll be like, I'll say like something cooking dinner last night for X, Y, or Z person, or, you know, my, my mom calling me this morning and telling me that, telling me this, or, you know, like just little, little moments, I write them down and it's such a sweet part of my day. I can't even tell you, I didn't, I don't know, like the word gratitude for me, it, it almost like doesn't resonate with me that much because I feel like it's such a loaded word yeah. that has a lot of um, like obligation to it or something. Mm -hmm. But when I started making these lists, I don't even think of them as, I do think of them as gratitude lists, I do. But like these are just moments that filled me with happiness and I just want to like mark them. So, so yeah, it's, it's really sweet. I love it and I highly recommend it. Sam, do you have any rituals that you do, you know, whether it's uh, before you're going on stage, when you're in the studio, whether it's a morning time, nighttime, anything that you do that's kind of quirky as, as you know, something unique to you that you do that uh, that really helps you uh, motivate or get through your day or start your day? Yeah, dude, I always tell myself everything is working in my favor. Everything works out for me. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. God is good. I am love. I am light. A lot of I am affirmation statements. Mm. Um, just, just feeding myself a lot of positivity and just like, I never ask. I never ask the universe what I want. I declare what I want and, and declare what's coming to me. Um, and I think that's contributed to a lot of my most happiest days and the happiest times of, of my life. And I decided a while ago, you know, not to even complain to myself that if I could like stop, like if I could just not even complain to myself, then I figured it out and I won, you know? So I just decided to just really, really dial in and take control of my thoughts and my mind. And I think that that's what helps me, you know, be the man that I am and helps me be able to be inspired and, 
to continue to create. I know like a lot of people like have like writer's block or they don't feel inspired and no one moment is greater than the other. All moments are always as great. So I think you just have to find, you got to find like the pocket. You have to find like the wave or you have to find that song that's within the noun and the time that's going on right now. And I don't know, just, just, just finding like the positivity in everything. It's always a lot harder than just like saying it, of course. But, you know, I think if you start with your mind and you start telling yourself, you know, amazing things then you'll start to see amazing things come back to you. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that, uh, just, I've been looking at a lot of like mindset uh, stuff recently and how, you know, the average mindset is really more about, uh, or mo- most most people that get stuck in like a rut or are stuck in a negative thought process, they go on scapegoating and complaining and self-defeating and that lazy kind of why me, you know, less ownership of like failure versus like, you know, a really strong person's mindset, which really takes extreme ownership over mm. everything, everything that happens in their life, you know, and instead of asking why me, they turn it around and say, why not me? And, you know, vision like using positive visions like vision boards and just positive visualization affirmations Mm -hmm. positive self-talk a lot of that self-discipline which really separates your average mindset versus your excellent you know person's mindset and another thing that abby mentioned earlier that i've been using um that's really been helping me is that she mentioned cold showers i cannot express this enough there's this i've been doing a little bit of oh my god oh my gosh (laughs) i've been doing homework on the blood brain barrier integrity and how if you're, if you're mm. able to do 20 seconds of cold and 10 seconds of hot 10 times through, I've like gotten up to like eight recently. I started out at like one or two and slowly worked up to like five. But every time you do mm. this, I feel like there's this mental clarity. Like I can physically feel it. I don't know if anybody has. Ex- Dude, it's crazy. It's it really does work. It's so outrageous yeah. the way that it feels. It's like even if you're sick and you don't want to do it, You'll feel better after you do it's, it. You know, I'm loving this idea of you can hack your brain and your brain does it. You can itself. hack you can hack your body, you can hack your yeah. brain. It's nuts. It's but like you're um when you I don't know, I feel like it has so much to do with just like the energy that's stored in your nervous system. When you put the shower on freezing, your body clenches and like freaks out for a second. Right. And your your mitochondria go into survival mode. It's like we're going to die. No, we're going to fucking live. Like we're going to fight for this shit. And so your entire body just activates and then you relax into it and you feel, you realize you're safe in the cold. Nothing's going to happen. And it starts feeling almost soft and beautiful. That feeling of cold, you can, you can reconceptualize any feeling. So even the feeling of freezing cold temperature, you could like feel it and be like, oh, this is actually nice. Or what What if this was a beautiful feeling? What if I love this? And then all of a sudden your body will stop. And so it's a really like interesting experiment to play with yourself. But yeah, I've been messing around with cold showers now for like maybe, it's, I guess, a year and a half, two years. Nah, two years. Because when I went to my first Tony Robbins seminar, I that's when I started doing incantations in the showers. And yeah, that will definitely change the game up. <laughs> For anyone who tries So you've it. actually went to a Tony Robbins seminar. How was that? Oh, I've been to eight. Oh, my God. I, I'm really, yeah, I'm really passionate about them. <laughs> That's amazing. I, wow. Yeah. Eight? That's incredible. That's yes. Incredible. Yes, it is. Well, I know that um, yes. to switch gears a little bit here, I know, Abby, a big part of, you know, your musical identity and you as a person, it seems you have this really strong affinity for burlesque and home uh, mm. culture and where did this love of burlesque emerge in your life? And how have yeah. women like Mae West and Betty Page and Dita Von Teese made a huge difference in your yeah. artistic endeavors and as a human? Oh my gosh, I love this topic. So burlesque um, is the art of the striptease. So it's basically this, you know, it's a stage where you come and you watch women perform women of all different shapes, all different orientations, some people who don't even identify as women, but typically they have some, they have some connection to the word femininity, no matter how that connection feels to them. They're basically just feeling themselves and tapping into themselves and what sacred femininity is to them in their own way. And that can look any goddamn way, I'll tell you. 
So typically there's a song playing and then there's a stage, there's a person, there's often a woman and everybody watches as this person basically moves and takes off her clothes, usually. And it's just like sacred sensuality. And anytime I go to a burlesque show, I feel uplifted in a way that is so witnessing. And I think everybody in the room does too, because it's such a like, it's such an honoring process to just be there and clap for somebody who's being so vulnerable. And I don't know. I mean, it's really, it's really shaped the way that I actually think about what I make just to be in spaces like that. Have you ever been to a burlesque show? I've been to a few. I'm not just fascinated by how there are so many parallels between that and like any artistic, but especially music. Just being vulnerable, like, yeah. This, just exposing yourself. The history of it is also like really interesting how yeah. these women started to pair up with comedians and it was this sort of like secretly liberating movement, you know, back in the 20s. It's just such an interesting thing that I really mm-hmm. just... Uh, I really want to get more into and just understand. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. I highly recommend listening to any Dita Von past interview you can find because she's a genius and she will explain that shit to a T. Now, once I started going to burlesque shows, I just noticed a difference in how I was deciding to live my life every day and just the way that I would move and the way that I would savor my movements and just, I don't know, like approach my interactions with an added softness just like reminded me that I'm a woman in this way that like I was just like looking to be reminded of so taking your clothes off in front of a group of people um, that you don't know is like one way to be obviously really you know like really vulnerable but then when you write down your inner thoughts and you sing them and you record them and you put them on the internet that's like another variation of it right so I just I love the parallels between making music and burlesque I love I've like performed burlesque before um but like since learning about it and since really interacting with that art form I just have decided to kind of like live my life that way and make my art that way yeah, and this is a big part of, of how you see, you know, some of your live performances sort of going towards. Yeah, so um, I throw a concert series with my team out here called Heaven. So Heaven is an immersive, um, it's an immersive performance that basically blends female-fronted or femme-fronted R&B electronic acts with movement art, like burlesque, drag, sensual acrobatics pole artists and women painting on each other naked just all these different things like you kind of step into this room and there's cl- like projector visuals of clouds everywhere and like art installation cool things around you and we have we have burlesque performers at heaven so it's like high fashion burlesque though so we kind of changed it a lot of burlesque perform to cabaret music and it's quirky and, and different. And a lot of times it makes you laugh and there's boas and fans and really like funny, weird, cool outfits. Um, but we decided to have it be something a bit more like slinky, sexy. So our burlesque performers perform to r music and they wear um, a lot of times just like what they'd wear every day. It's really relatable because the people in the audience look at the women on stage and they're like that person like I'm that person um, and that person's just standing there taking off her clothes in front of all of us which is really cool yeah I think people definitely admire anybody that's want to take that much of a you know risk and, and expose themselves yeah you know, both physically yeah. or emotionally or artistically it's like, it really like paves the it kind of just like sets the room up for the music too because people are so open and like yeah people it just really it makes people kind of like stop and think to see something like that absolutely your father jerry Dahmer, was a very powerful player in the feminist movement in his time before it became this really recently popularized movement like with movements like the me too former number one tennis mm-hmm. champion billy jean king known for winning something like 39 grand slams as a pro tennis player and founding the WTA Women's Tennis Association, who many consider one of the most, if not most prominent crusader for social justice and equality in women's sports. 
asked uh, your father mm -hmm. to be the head of the WTA along with others to fight equal pay for female tennis players and getting women's tennis into the Olympics. How did your father's experience yeah. in the feminist movement so long before it became such a popular movement today play a role in your identity as a female and uh, your artistry as Abby Diamond? Thank you so much for asking me that question. That question gives me goosebumps and makes my heart feel so warm. Um, my dad died when I was a little girl, when I was three. So just looking up to him um, and thinking about him has always been one of the biggest reasons that I am who I am. Um, I could talk about that for days and days and days, but it's like, I mean, I don't know. It's just endless what I could say about it. I, I revere, um, you know, and love my mother and my father so much. Like my mom is just the best. She's incredible. Um, and she tells me stories about him and I remember him a lot, but for the most part, what I know about him comes from what I'm told by the people that like knew him and loved him and loved me. And what I gather is that he was just a really cool, a really cool feminist man who essentially was really similar to me in a lot of ways. A lot of family members tell me that they see him in me a lot, which makes me really happy. And it's nice like to go to, so the movie Battle of the Sexes that came out. That's right, Emma Stone. It was like Steve Carell, Emma Stone and Steve Carell, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. So it's funny because I went to that with my family. Like we went to the red carpet um, premiere of it in LA when it came out because Larry King, who is Billie Jean's husband, before she came out as a lesbian, he's like, Billie Jean is a close family friend. And then like Larry King and his new family, they're like best friends with Billie Jean still, but like his, my mom is the godmother of his daughter. And then his, they're just, we're really close. They're super tight people in my life. And he was like, like someone was playing him in this movie. And so the whole thing was just really a trip because I went with my mom and we went with their family. And the night before the premiere, the actor, his name is slipping my mind right now, but he was such a sweetheart and he was so good in the movie. The actor who was playing Larry King, and just to be clear, this isn't Larry King from like the TV show. This is a different guy who's also just named Larry King. Oh, but <laughs> okay. The actor, yeah, not Larry King. Larry I was King totally was sure that's who you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> the actor who played him like cooked dinner for us the night before. And then we went to this premiere the next day and it was so interesting because like the movie was amazing. I loved it. But like seeing, talking to my mom and talking to all the people who were really like there being depicted in the movie, they were like, Oh my God, that's like so not how all these different things went down. And it was just interesting watching them be like, wow, Hollywood will just like change stories. So that was really interesting. And the movie, like the movie changed the timeline around a little bit. What ended up happening was the person, like, so Sarah Silverman plays this woman who was the head of the Women's Tennis Association. And she was asked to step down. And then Billie Jean asked my, my father to be that person. Um, so he was like big in, in sports and everything. And he became the head of the Women's Tennis Association. So he was partners with her. What I have now is stories. And it's like, I have this really intangible, like beautiful grasp of like who my dad was and who he is to me. And that is a really big part of who I am and what I do. So that's incredible that you're able to carry on the legacy into what you do. And, you know, obviously as a woman, it's a lot easier to empower yourself and uh, spread that, that message genuinely in a way that it's sort of been, it's been a little bit controversial recently, but I think it's truly a genuine mm -hmm, yeah. motivation for you. And I, I really uh, think that's great. Oh, that's thank fine. you. Yeah. I guess like, I just want everybody to, to like come to an understanding of what feminism is for them because it's different. Like I have a really different perception of feminism than a lot of other people that I right. know. It's different for me. My variation of it is very inclusive. It, like, I love, I love men too. Like, I respect men so much. I'm definitely not a man hater, like in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I believe that 
you know, most people are as well. But like, just because one type of being a feminist has become really popular, or there's a lot of buzz around it, that doesn't mean that that's exactly how everybody feels. So like the way that I'm a feminist today, I'm sure is different from the way that my father was a feminist years back, you know, like, I don't think he was going to burlesque shows and interacting with like the concepts that I write about and that I hold dear, but it's all about like, just, just like understanding, grappling with and holding space for sacred femininity and what that is just as an archetype and how it plays out in culture and in the people around you. It's like loving and witnessing women and everybody who has mom and cares about their mom or has, is a woman, loves a woman, is a feminist. So it's, it's a really personal word. It's definitely going to inspire a whole generation of women, not to mention a whole bunch of female artists that are looking to really simplify that message because it isn't, it isn't anti-men at all, but I think there are some facets of it that have turned uh, some offshoots of, you know, different variations. That yeah. can be a little bit confusing for, for some people. And, yeah. and it's men, the thing, it's not really the thing at all. It's about including, you know, everyone to the feminist uh, ideology. So, yeah, completely. Completely agree with you. Where can everybody be looking for, for Abby Diamond's future record, all of the new music? Where's the best place to keep up with Abby Diamond's latest moves? <laughs> Probably Instagram. Um, my Instagram is just Abby Diamond with an X at the end. Please, I put everything on, you know, like Spotify and YouTube and stuff like that too, but I post a few times a week on, on Instagram and like make stories every day and I'm really responsive if people DM me and just like talking to people and sending people voice memos back and stuff like that. I like love doing that. So that's probably the best way to reach me. Awesome. Yeah. And, and be sure to check out the new Collide video. As everybody knows, that is a listener of Patients of Podcasts. Uh, Sammy G has a Waffle Bat video out. Be sure to check that out. And I would absolutely think it would be incredible to get you two together in the studio one of these days. What do you think about uh, oh, cool. some vocal features for Sam? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you heard it here first. If anyone's <laughs> curious where that project started, it was right here. And uh, yeah, we're, we're excited about that. Abby, man, you're you're a fucking onion. I feel like <laughs> we can, we're going to meet and we can talk on days and days and I'll still never like know you. I feel like you have so much. You have so much and you have like so many things that you're passionate about, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I think, Thanks. you know, so, a, a lot of people are, you know, very surface, you know, very, you know, just whatever the world kind of gives him and you seem to be doing the opposite and i think that's inspiring for a lot of young people especially women out there who want to you know follow in, in your footsteps and become the best that they can be and be a feminist be a singer songwriter be a life coach all those different things i'm curious what are your goals what are your plans where are we going to see abby in the next five years what is it that you want to do that you want to manifest happen that maybe you haven't even told anyone yet with the universe and the world uh, a first glimpse right here on patience podcast that's a nice question and nice those are nice things to say so thank you so much love um i'm gonna tell you the truth the honest truth is that i have a lot of plans and nobody knows them so you gotta just like oh we gotta join get the homie circle and watch and see we need some deets <laughs> we're gonna join the homie circle we need to hear something, <laughs> something from Abby today. oh my gosh i mean it has to do with a lot of visual art and a lot of um like immersive storytelling storytelling through movement storytelling through live shows but like how can we redefine i'm just going to give you like a sneak peek but how can we redefine what a concert is so why have concerts always been something where you stand with your legs locked and you face forward and you just look at a stage and your eyes don't move and you're really not like tempted to move that much when you're watching it how come at a broadway musical you like laugh and you cry and you have to look in a million different directions and you engage with the content so much more intensely in your body and you leave feeling different than if you like maybe left an indie rock show where you're just standing still the whole time so like how can we create concert settings where the show begins when you step into line and when you step into it you're really stepping into a story that you're becoming a character in um, this is what my team and I are really like 
working on and talking about right now and we want to we want to like move forward into our live performances and our tours in a way that is going to like evolve what the word concert means if you're anywhere curious about where Abby Diamond's going with her future and her music career keep an eye on her she's definitely changing the game when it comes to performances if you're looking to really experience something new, I mean, who out there is doing burlesque and hope culture into their live performance? Check out the music. Abby's new single, Collide, dropped last Thursday. There's a video and a film paired up with that. Abby, thank you so much for joining us on Patience the Podcast, episode 10. And we look forward <laughs> so much to keeping up with you. And Aww, thanks. send us some love. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. And I do have to just give like one little shout out to um, my friend, boyfriend, who is a female rapper based in New Orleans, also incorporating so much burlesque into what she's doing. She's a huge inspiration to me. It's where I first like really started finding out about burlesque. So check her out um, if you want to get a glimpse into what I'm creating because she's working with me right now and we're developing something really cool together. I had so much fun with you guys. You guys are sweethearts and I'm so happy to be here with you. So thank you for making my Sunday. It was a pleasure having you. Sam, any last words for today? <laughs> and I'm just going to say to all the audience to just keep striving and keep pushing. Yeah, you guys too. Um, yeah. I think Abby... You're not boxed in. You don't have to do one thing. You know, why be great at one thing when you can be great at everything that you try? You can, you know, have many ideas and have many contributions that you can make to the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I hope that this podcast was inspiring. I hope that you guys all learned a great deal about Abby and also learned a great deal about yourself and what you guys can do and contribute to the world as well. Mm -hmm. Never stop reinventing yourself. Artistry is not just about one talent. Abby is a great example of visual art, social art, and her feminist empowerment. Don't limit yourself. If something captures you, if you're inspired by something, and it's not necessarily the one medium of art that you're you know, captivated by or you identify with, don't be afraid to explore. Abby Diamond is a perfect example mm. of that. Don't find yourself staying in one lane. There's no need. If you find inspiration elsewhere, follow it. Thank you so much, Abby, once again, for joining us on <laughs> yeah. Basic Podcast. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode.